really is just an, an addition to what you were saying about modeling is to teach them that forgiveness and grace is part of a larger uh, picture and mm. effort. Well, hey, hey, everybody. Ooh. I'm not going to lie. I like this a lot. I like this theme music. It feels very relaxing. It does. feels like we should be on vacation. And I need to be a little bit relaxed because we've had a little bit of an eventful (laughs) morning in here today. We won't go into all the details. So much weirdness. We won't go into all the details, but we're not perfectionists by any means. That's for sure. But we've had to start a couple times because we were were way off the mark. We had some technology challenges. All sorts of things. But there's a lot of things going on here. We have mics. We have audio, we have wires, we have cameras, we have lighting, yes. and it's all being orchestrated for us by <laughs> producer Chris. Who is, <laughs> to be fair to producer Chris, which is part of the reason why we had some technical difficulties. He's not a producer. He, he, he doesn't understand microphones and <laughs> cables any more than me and you do. He's a pastor who got suckered into, not only is he a pastor, he's our pastor to parents yes. here at the church. yes. And yet we hardly ever let him talk on the parent <laughs> podcast. I know he's like stuck behind he's with stuck the wires. Behind and he's our... But you know, if you text parents, the word parents, yeah, to okay. 83,000, it's up yes. on our screen behind us. You actually get information alerts or uh, new blog post alerts. And yep. a lot of these amazing, quick encouragements, blog posts to parents mm-hmm. are written by our pastor Chris, exactly, exactly. pastor for our parents. The, the podcast is just one of a plethora mm-hmm. of resources we provide for parents. Yes, and yes. Chris is the—he's the brain power and the heart and the pastor behind all of it, other than the podcast. Yeah, and it's and, really and, helpful and encouraging just to get those yeah. text messages. Hey, a new blog post is up, and you yep. go, and it's—it's it's not long, it's short, and super helpful. Yep. Here's a little premature plug. I'm nervous to even say it. Oh. But Chris may or may not actually be working on a book (gasps) for parents that ties in the on-purpose parent strategy. That is amazing. I I did not know that. I shouldn't have said that, but I'm kind of glad I did. (laughs) You shouldn't have said that to the world. (laughs) Now he has to do it. (laughs) That's amazing. He's a very good writer. Sign me up. He's a very good, very good Right. Okay, enough of Pastor All Chris. Right. Enough okay. of that guy. This is, this is our podcast. It's not the Chris show. <laughs> Crying out loud. Okay. Back to, back to us now. So here's <laughs> if you've been a listener of the podcast for any amount of time, you know that we have a little bit of a rhythm where we do a series somewhere between two and four episodes mm-hmm. on a given mm-hmm. topic. And then we reach into the mailbag. And answer some questions. And then that always, there's always a question that we feel like, oh, we can't just lump that in with the other four or three. So we then do a longer one-off question. Mm -hmm. And then we go back into a series. So we go series, Q&A, one-off. Series, Q&A, one-off. That's kind of our our routine. We like that. Got a little rhythm going. So today is a Mm Q&A. So Chris, you've reached into the, the mailbag. Parents can yeah. send us their questions at parents at saddleback.com. Parents at saddleback.com. Mm-hmm. If you have any questions or just recommendations for subject matter, mm-hmm. um, we we try to dip into those as often as we can. Today's no different. We got three questions. Tee us up, Chris. Yeah. So the first one's actually from a dad, which by the way, um, we looked at, you know, the last few months. Yes. 
I, I know where you're going, and it blew, okay. my, it blew my mind. Yeah, go ahead. No, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, not, it's not my podcast. It's, yeah. <laughs> Let's see if you guys are thinking the no, same we're, thing. We're thinking the same. Are you sure? Yes, because I think I know what you're well, going to say. It blew your it's, mind. It, it did scared blow my me, mind. and I forgot. I now you forgot the stat. You know, oh, you know the stat. It's like 60%. 69. 69. Yeah, 69. 69. Yeah. I think 69. It was yeah. more than just close to 50. Yes. Yeah. So, so like 69%. Of uh, our watchers on YouTube, <laughs> our watchers. Oh, so it's not overall. It's just YouTube. Just, just those who watch on YouTube. Oh, that's different. Yeah, ah. yeah. Okay, that's our men. Because yeah, they're men. That makes more sense. I think guys are more YouTube than women. Yeah, I think. Huh. I thought it was sixty nine percent of the overall audience. Oh no no no. Okay. Yeah. YouTube just YouTube is our smallest audience. Right. So 69% of our smallest audience is men. Yeah. Most people okay. most, well, hey, most people are yeah. listening on uh, Apple. Yeah. Spotify. Yeah. And all Spotify. The, all, all those the are the two big ones. Google a little bit. Can we, but... can we ever find out what percentages those are? Yeah, I'll look into that for that sure. Out. Okay. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> That'll be cool. Why, why but are we this, talking? But this is for a dad. Tonight, we're, this is a rough. Do we need to do, do, we need to do take number 14 take number or whatever? 15. <laughs> All right, let's keep going. What's the first question? Listen, it's from to a dad. The, listen to the dad's heart. Okay. How can I prepare my child to handle peer pressure? Mm. Mm, that's, that's a, a great big question. One. That's a big one. Okay, well, I'll jump in first for this one. And um, the thought that I had was a little maybe a phrase that we can share with parents to help remember. For me, it's this little phrase is define, prepare, and be awkward. Mm. So let Mm -hmm. me explain what I mean by that. So first, define. I think it will be really important as parents if you are concerned about peer pressure or maybe not even super worried, but just want to equip your kids to define what peer pressure is. I do think as parents, sometimes it's easy to take for granted that kids don't need us to tell them things and explain things or articulate things because maybe they don't, um, they aren't as responsive or we think it's obvious, like, oh, everyone knows what peer pressure is. People are talking about it. But there is power when parents take the initiative and the and and are intentional to defining things for their kids. And so first, just even defining what peer pressure is helps kids prepare for it. Like what exactly is it? Hmm. Peer pressure is when you feel pushed to do something to be valued and accepted by your friends. Mm-hmm. And there could be positive peer pressure, there could be negative peer pressure. So you can start off, I would say, having a conversation with your kids about like, here is the definition of peer pressure. Let's brainstorm. What are some situations where you might have positive peer pressure? What are some situations where you imagine you might have negative peer pressure? Mm. Hear from your kids. Talk about it. Yeah, it's good. And then that leads into being able to prepare for those situations. Maybe your kids, and it'll be different depending on what age group we're talking about, but you can start taking that conversation and expand it and go in deeper and say, okay, if you were in this situation that we just brainstormed Mm -hmm. where someone is peer pressuring you to make fun of the new kid, I don't know, something like that. Like everyone is like kind of teasing this new kid. How might you respond? Like what are some ways that we might, um, that you might actually, what would you do in that exact situation? And then you could role play. There's so much, um, information and advice out there in in the parenting world that talks about the power of role playing 
because what you're doing is you are letting them practice something that they are going to experience in the real world in a non-pressure situation where in the real world it will be a high pressure situation where they won't have that much time to be reflective yeah so for example pressure just makes us lose our marbles a little bit so if i said okay kurt Uh i'm gonna ask you I don't like where this is going. Um, I want you to recite the alphabet mm-hmm. backwards. Gotcha. Okay? Yes. As far as you can without making any mistakes. Okay? Ready? In five seconds. Or in three seconds. Three, two, one, go. Z-Y- okay, faster. Do it faster. Z-Y-X-W-R-Q. Uh, smoother, smoother. C-D-B. Okay. No. <laughs> C-D-B. C-B-D? C-D-B? C- is, that some kind of, is, that some, is that some kind of medicinal CBD oil? Or I don't know. What am I, what CBD. Am I, what am I talking <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, that was ZYX. I think I got, you got, I got, yeah, I you I got, got like the three? first four. Yeah. You got four? Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's just a super Z-Y-X-W. silly. ZYXW. ZYXW. Huh? Okay. All right. You got the four. Um, my point is anything that's like maybe even simple when you're under a pressure situation, it like makes you not think clearly. Right. And so the power of role playing with your kids is if you talk about in advance is, okay, if everyone's making fun of somebody, hmm. What could you say? Actually giving them words and let's practice it. And it can be kind of fun and silly can really help in that moment of pressure to be able to think as yep. opposed to just go with the, the path of least resistance, which yep. is what often happens with peer pressure. Right. And the last thing I'll say about be awkward part <clears throat> is teach your kids that feeling awkward is not wrong and that there's nothing wrong with them. They may not like fully accepted at first, like, I know, I know, mom, I still don't like it. But having your voice in their heads is still really important, I think, that we can do as parents. So to say, yeah, if you stand up to your friends for something that's not right, you may feel really awkward or embarrassed, or the circumstance might be a little bit awkward Mm -hmm. between you and your friends. But Trust me, that feeling's not going to stay with you forever. You're going to come home. We're going to eat dinner. We'll watch a movie. It will pass. Don't make rash decisions just to avoid that feeling of awkwardness because to a young person or to a teen or even upper elementary, more that age range, awkwardness is like a terrible feeling (laughs) with friends. And you'll do whatever to avoid yeah. embarrassment or attention to yourself. And so we're trying to equip them verbally. It's okay. Yeah, it's gonna, it's it, not going to kill you. Right. And it is going to be awkward. It's going to be awkward. If you if you do, if you don't give in to the negative peer pressure. Right. It's it's you're creating an awkward situation for yourself. So acknowledge that. I love that. Grace, that's such great insight. A couple quick thoughts that come to my mind is one, I love that the dad's asking this question. Mm-hmm. Because he may know this or he may not know this, but when we ask, I've worked with kids and teenagers for, I don't know, 35 years or something. It's amazing. And when we ask them what are some of the bigger challenges, almost always peer pressure is mm. way at the top of the list. So, Dad, thanks for asking that mm. because you are proactively helping your your children deal with something that they they are going to self-identify as a really big deal to them. Mm. Um, so a couple thoughts. One real quick is... Just the reminder, and I don't know how old the parents or the children of this, of mm. this dad are, but so much of preparing mm-hmm. our kids is prepare them, which mm-hmm. means a, which means ahead of time. Right. So a lot of your preparing your preteen to handle peer pressure is 
building a sense of self-confidence and a sense of right and wrong. And if you're a follower of Jesus, a biblical worldview and kind of having those conversations all along the way so that when peer pressure starts to show up, they're kind of just innately a little bit more confident, a little bit more equipped to, to talk about it. Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's easier said than done, but it's sort of like the sex talk. Mm. Parents are always like, when do I have the sex talk? When do I have the sex talk? And what I always say is, well, you should be having small conversations ongoing from the time there's an appropriate age appropriateness to little conversations. Right. So you never have to sit down and have the, the sex talk. That's super big and awkward. Kind of the same with peer pressure. Mm. You don't wait until they come home and go, Dad, what do I do? My friends wanted me to vape after school. Mm -hmm. And that's the first time they've ever thought about peer pressure. You do the little things along the way that help help mm -hmm. that. Um, along with that, sorry, my phone is ringing. This is, this is just a terrible, <laughs> my phone's ringing. I'm using my, I can I'm, hardly I'm, hear well, it. Taking, I can hardly I'm hear it. I'm taking a page out of Grace's <laughs> book. And she has her little thoughts and notes on her phone. And I like that, so I started doing that myself. But I forgot <laughs> yeah. to mute my phone. Yeah. <laughs> I shouldn't have boy. That's Technology. okay. We have grace Technology. for trying new things. <laughs> um, along with that is keeping the lines of communication open. Mm -hmm. So yes, you have little, you have the small conversations all along about sticking up for what you believe and what's right and wrong mm. and role playing and all the things. And when they come back with a big situation. Mm -hmm. That's when you got to, you, you've really got to like temper your response. Mm. Because if you overreact, hey, dad, mom, I, I, my friends were pressuring me to I vape know. after school. You need new friends. Oh, you better not have done that. You know, that stuff will kill you. It's worse than cigarettes. Mm. Then they're going, oh my That's gosh, like I can't, I can never mention anything mm. to my parents again without them freaking out. Right. Yeah. And so now you shut the door. The communication and one of the best That's ways for kids to navigate peer pressure is to be able to mm. go to mom and dad for input and advice right. and some role playing. Hey, what, what could I have done? Hey, mm -hmm. dad, I don't want to, I don't want to do it, but give me like, help me, <coughs> excuse me, help me come up with an what out. What are the words I can yeah. actually how do say? I, how, do, how do I get out of it without losing my friends? Right. And, but if you, sh if you just overreact and, mm -hmm. and shut down the like what well why were you even tempted to vape i i raised you better oh, than that yeah oh gosh i guess i can't talk to my mom and dad about it so mm -hmm. those are those are That's just good. some of some of my thoughts on that one yeah okay like next next question it was chris who yeah. was standing by so uh <coughs> what are some practical ways to teach my children about forgiveness and grace oh Ooh. man that's good <laughs> well grace i'm going to lean on you on this one because i really just came up with one I just came up with one, and my answer is you model it. Mm -hmm. um, modeling is the best teacher in almost everything. Yeah. You know, so we true. model our kids all kinds of stuff by how we, or we teach our kids all kinds of stuff by how we model mm -hmm. it. So if you want to teach your kids about forgiveness and grace, there is almost a bottomless well of opportunities <laughs> to model forgiveness and grace. Yes. To your own kids, to your spouse in front of your kids, to the driver who cuts you off mm -hmm. when your kids are in the back seat, mm -hmm. to the, you know, the 16 year old drive through employee who got your order wrong at yeah. Chick-fil-A or wherever it is. All the ways we respond in front of our kids to all the never ending ways for us to either be graceful and forgiving or 
respond in a way that isn't Christ-like or in a way that we that we don't want our kids to to see. Right. Just mod- model it, and if you model it, um, they will learn the value of it and all of its proper uses. Right. Yeah, that's good. I love what you said. There will be a bottomless well or pit of opportunity because it's so true. Reality is we live in a broken world with broken relationships. We are broken people. And so if you are looking for ways to grow in the ability to forgive and show grace, you will have lots of opportunity right. because our brokenness is all around us. And yep. so it's it's almost ironic when people ask questions like this because it's like, are you sure? Because this is tough work, but it's like such a great thing to want to engage in. Um, my only thing I'll add to that really is, really is just an, an addition to what you were saying about modeling is to teach them that forgiveness and grace is part of a larger uh, picture and mm. effort of peacemaking and relationship building. I, I, I forget where exactly, but I remember um, listening to a sermon once that talked about being peacemakers. It was about the Beatitudes. And there was this one point that said, oh, peacemakers, it sounds kind of like smooshy like oh you're just like a nice person maybe you get walked over you're just keeping the peace you don't rock the boat but what this message was saying was no peacekeepers are hardcore Mm. they will like lean into when something's not right let's talk about it let's do the hard work of conflict resolution let's do the hard work of searching our souls to forgive someone maybe not be in the same kind of relationship as we were before if trust was broken, but I'm going to let go of bitterness. I'm going to let go of resentment, all um, of that stuff that's involved. Yeah. And, and that's that you have to be a warrior to right, do that. And right. you have that's to be good. tough. And so a couple ways that you could do this with your kids is one, teach your kids how to do conflict resolution. I, f- I believe I've talked about this once before in a previous podcast episode, but we have Karis and Zoe, my two daughters, um, 11 and eight right now, do a lot of that. Ever since they were a lot younger, um, do this almost routine when they get into a, a larger conflict um, where one side is hurt or they're both hurt at each other. And just the simple pattern is, first they get a little bit of a breather, they calm down a little bit if their emotions are super high. And then when things are calmed down, they have to sit, face each other, and they have to talk it out. And the pattern of talking it out is, um, let's say it was you and me, Kurt. Kurt, you would have to share your side of what you felt, and I have to be quiet, and I have Mm. to listen. And then when you're done, I have to repeat back to you what I heard without interjecting my own, you know, side commentary. So Kurt felt sad when blah, blah, blah. I did this. And then you have a chance to clarify. And then the role switches that I get to say, well, I was mad because, and then you have to say, I think Grace was mad because X, Y, Z. And we clarify. And then at the end we talk about, well, what can we do different? Um, and then, and usually it ends with like a, a joke or hugging or laughing it out. And it seems like that's very prescriptive. And I'm not saying every parent has to do that. But for our family, we've been teaching that particular model of conflict right. resolution. And because we've done it so much, like the girls now know 
those steps. Mm. So they will sometimes do it on their own. And we're like, they're like, yeah, we fought, but we talked it out. Here's what happened. Here's what Zoe was feeling. Here's what Kara's feeling. <laughs> we resolved it. Can we go play yep. now? And we're like, oh, okay. Yep. But it's teaching forgiveness, not as an isolated thing, but in this context of building relationship with one another, that's going to be a part of right. being interdependent. Yes. And the last thing I'll say too is to your point, Kurt, is to not just teach your kids conflict resolution skills. There's a lot of other, you know, um, methods out there that you could look into. Um, but to, like you said, model the resolution of a real live conflict mm. in your family, maybe between you and your spouse to show that to your kids. So what I mean by this is a lot of um, times kids see conflict happen in the home. They know that it happens. They see the tension between parents but they don't see the resolution. Right. So they learn, oh, they learn all these different things. Maybe that's not something parents actually want to be teaching their kids, but they learn by real life practice. So it could be, oh, in our family, when there's conflict, it's whoever yells the loudest wins. In our family, when there's conflict, you shut down and nobody ever talks about it again. And over time, it just goes away and that's how we deal with conflict. But as um, a couple if you can show your kids the actual conclusion to a conflict hmm. it is incredibly empowering um, to those kids to know oh conflicts happen they're normal and there can be a resolution so sam and i sometimes will and it's a real fight if we're having a real argument but maybe not one of like the huger ones but like a medium-sized one where we're still feeling emotional about it some, but it's um, something where we're in control of ourselves. Uh, maybe at dinner time we'll be like, hey, should we talk about this? And the kids are sometimes like watching like, oh my gosh, this is awkward. And we will actually talk it out in front of them. And it won't always be easy, but we'll resolve it in front of them. Like, okay, all right, I understand. I forgive you. Okay. And we'll get to that conclusion. And if you are able to do that, maybe it doesn't have to be with your spouse. Maybe it's with, you know, some other family member. If you could show and model the conclusion of a conflict, that is an incredibly powerful gift to give to your kids to see in real life. Yeah. Man, oh man, Grace, you're, you're talking, I'm thinking, I just love how intentional you are. Mm -hmm. in, in almost every topic we talk about, you are constantly talking about, well, we role play and we get feedback yeah. and we yeah. have them practice. And um, I think about my own daughter and her husband and they're very, their kids are much younger, yeah. but that's, that's the, you can tell that's kind of the approach they're, they're going after um, versus, you know, the way I was raised and even my answer to this, well, you model it. If you want to teach your kid and model this, you know, and, and to me, modeling it is more like, well, you just forgive and move on. Yeah. Right. It's, it's almost like the, it's so easy to say, hey, get over it. Right. Hey, she didn't mean it. Your sister didn't mean it. So deal with it. Like forgive her and move on. And and it, as opposed to, because that's not that's not conflict resolution. Mm. There's, I mean, maybe the upside to that approach is, you know, you're not quite so sensitive and right, you, you know, yeah. not everything bothers you. And you know, I'm old school. You know, <laughs> we, we don't we don't have to talk about everything. My goodness, you right, know, like, right. does everything require role right. playing yeah, and conflict yeah. resolution? And yeah. Good grief! Can't we just go? Hey, my bad. Let's move on. Yeah. Right. Well, yes. They're, yeah. They're, 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 yes to that, and no to that. Right, because right. there are times where we need to talk it out, and express what was hurtful, and identify the pain point, because you can't. Sometimes you can't really 
when I say you can't really ask for forgiveness, you, you can ask for forgiveness, but if you don't really understand mm. what the offense was, right. Then, yeah. then it's like, then I'm minimizing hey, grace. Just you forgive me. Right. Yeah. <laughs> oh, Oh, that was really hurtful. What I said. Mm-hmm. Wow. So your forgiveness of me is actually a pretty powerful thing. Right, and it's right. not as easy for you to extend to me as I just assumed it would be. Yeah. Because you express. So anyway, yeah. all that to say, well, I, I, I like it all. I kind of think good wisdom. it's a, it's a yes. And to your thing too, yeah. because you need those small moments in life where you're like, you know what? This person cut me off on the freeway. I'm not going to sit down and have a face to face talk with them about right. my feelings, but I'm going to model to my kids. You know what? Oh, I feel so irritated, but you know, I'm going to forgive them. Even right. them seeing that process, modeling that that's important. It's those right. little things that build up yep. and then, you know, having those more intentional yeah. conversations so as well, peppered we, in. We're both talking about modeling it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes you model it more intentionally right? and more um, in depth mm-hmm. than mm-hmm. other times, Yeah, but we're always modeling it that's right. one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last yeah. question, Chris. Awesome. What do I do when my kids have questions and doubts about their faith that Ooh. I don't know how to answer? Ooh. Mm. <laughs> Something tells me we're we're gonna have I'm gonna have short a short answer to this, and Grace <laughs> is gonna have a profound answer. No. Um, short so, can be profound. So should, Sometimes short is let, more let, profound. You know what? Why don't I go first? Okay. We'll save we'll save the good stuff for <laughs> for the end. Here here's what I would say to that: is first of all, doubts. Parents, mom and dad listening, doubts are good. Mm. So don't freak out. Oftentimes Christian parents freak out at the moment their son or their daughter, it it often happens in like the preteen years. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why do we believe what we believe? Or how do I know the Bible's true? Or if God's so good, why A, B, C, or D? I don't, I don't know if I believe everything the church is teaching me. Mm -hmm. Right. And we freak out as parents. Oh my gosh. They're going to go off the deep end. Right. They're going to walk away from their faith. They don't, they don't. Right. So, you know, the old, well, because the Bible says so when they're second grade, that answer works. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden that answer doesn't work and they're expressing doubts and we can freak out. So parents, you, you, you've got to recognize doubting is a good thing mm. because when you doubt, that means you're asking questions. You're, mm. if you, if your children, they're going to wrestle through their faith sooner or later. I think sooner and in relationship and communication with mom and dad mm-hmm. is way better than later when they're off at college mm-hmm. and they don't have mom and dad to process those doubts and those questions. So mm. um, when they start doubting, embrace it, embrace the doubt, go there with them. Um, and so I would, I would encourage mom and dad to say, you know what? I'm really glad you're asking those questions. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm proud that you're taking your faith in Jesus serious enough to wonder. Right. Because I think it will stand up to all your questions. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So don't be afraid to ask. Don't be afraid to doubt. Don't be afraid Mm -hmm. to wonder. That's a good thing. Um, Two super duper practical responses if if they're expressing doubt. Um, One would be to say, even by the way, even if you know the answer, Mm -hmm. this, this, this one is even if you know the answer. Because just giving the answer just kind of shuts off the conversation. I would recommend you say, ooh, that's a great question. Mm-hmm. Let's figure that out together. What do you think? That's great. Yeah. Let's, 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 what, what could we, what could we read? What could we watch on YouTube? Where could we go to do some research? How can we figure, let's discover that together. Mm-hmm. How do we know 
God made the world in six days. Were they literal days? Were they not literal days? I don't, ooh, that's a great question. Mm -hmm. Let's, what do you think? Let's, let's discover that together. Let's research, let's figure that out together. Awesome. The other real easy answer, when you don't know the answer, if, if your child says, well, how do I, it's okay to say, you know what? I don't know. Mm-hmm. Let me let me think about that. Let me talk to some people, and I'll get back to you. Yeah. I call that research and return. Mm. I'm going to go research it, and I'm going to return to you with some thoughts. That's okay too. Yeah. Um, we don't have to have all the answers all the time. It's it's okay for our kids to see that we have questions. We have some doubts. Right. Absolutely. Right. We don't know all the answers. We think we know. We believe certain things about theological and doctrine and right. worldview, and they're based in scripture. We think, we hope, we want them to be, and sometimes it's okay to say, hmm, mm-hmm. I'm not totally sure. I've wondered myself. Yeah. There are other opinions on this, and that's okay. I don't think the goal of parenting on every topic is to make our kids align 100% mm-hmm. with our view on everything. Right. Um, there's probably a, a, a handful of Christian categories. We go, oh man, these are really important. I sure do want them to get this outside of that handful. It's probably very, very okay for them to land, mm-hmm. which is why it's safe for them to think about it and read and ask questions and research and like yeah. doubt and wrestle it through and see, see where you land. I love that. Yeah. That even hearing you talk about that, Kurt, feels so safe Mm. and it feels like um if i was a kid struggling or even an adult coming and saying hey kurt like i don't know how to think about this it feels like it's not defensive right it's not like you're hiding something broken and then have to be on guard which sometimes when our reaction to doubt is so aggressive it almost plants more doubt like whoa that person is (laughs) right even if it's not conscious, like as a kid, it might be like, Ooh, that this right. might not be stable. And how are they so certain about something that yeah. obviously isn't that clear without a clear answer, right. Right. right? Like it just is, it just is, it just is, you right. know? And so actually my point is just affirming what you said. Cause we had this, I had the exact same point about base. I have literally wrote, don't freak out, but mm. encourage doubt is I've had so many conversations with friends and I I feel this too intuitively in my own experience where ironically the things where people that I know that fell away from the faith or not interested in the faith will talk about having questions when they were younger and it was shut down. Mm. And so that just led to uh, I just, I don't, I don't buy it. Right. I don't believe it. And it's interesting. There's actually, um, people who, uh, research this, um, Dr. Kara Powell, mm-hmm. and she's at the, I think leads the Fuller Youth Institute or, or works there. Um, one of the things in their research that they discovered the biggest reason kids who grew up in the church, leave the church is not doubt. It's unexpressed doubt. Mm-hmm. It's having it in your head, but it's not accepted to say it out loud because either your parents or your teachers or whoever are going to react like either shaming you or without a satisfactory type of response that right. is too, um, that causes them to then hold it within themselves. And then when they go to college, it's like, you know what? It's, it, it's there. Even if I didn't express it, my doubt was there. Right. And I feel like it wasn't answered. 
and I don't believe it. Yeah. And I really loved what you said, um, Kurt. It's it, being able to have your doubts addressed is not necessarily having all the answers or having the answers even after you do the research. Part of it is being able to learn that in faith, there is always going to be this mixture of unanswered questions and answered questions hmm. and to be able to be in that space and still figure out how to have faith and connect with God, that can be incredibly powerful. Yeah, that's good. And so the last thing I'll say is along with what you said about encouraging them is at the end of the day, as parents, we need to remind ourselves, we want our kids faith to be real, to hmm. be authentic. And if we shove um, their questions into, you know, under the cover or shame them for questions or freak out or make them like, you know, kind of not ask because they see how it panicked it makes us, um, we're not encouraging them to be real. Right. We're trying to make them into some sort of image that makes us feel better. Yeah. But it's not authentic. And at the end of the day, I think about like the story of the prodigal son where the dad let the son go off and live the lifestyle that he was living and was squandering, you know, his life inheritance. But the dad was there ready to welcome the son back. And there is this quote um, in Christian parenting that says, um, this researcher discovered that when kids walk away from their family's faith, the most important factor that led to their return was their perception that their parents kept a loving and open relationship that remained warm and tolerant throughout the struggle. Mm. It was not logical arguments or religious practices of parents. So at the end of the day, we want our kids' faith to be real. And sometimes that means letting them struggle, but yeah. being a parent that makes sure the kids know, I don't love you. Right. Just because you believe what I believe. Yeah. I love you no matter what. Right. And I will be here for you through your ups and through your downs, whether you believe or you don't believe. I'm here for you. Yep. And let's research and return or let's do these things together. And I think at the end of the day, um, it's really tough as parents if that's a, a season that some parents are in where their kids are actually walking away from their faith. But um, that's something we can hold on to as something that God will hold us through as well. So of everything you said, the thing that jumps off the page, so I want you to read it one more time. If you're a parent who has older children wandering away, the number one thing that brings them back is not religious arguments and law. What, read that part yes. again, because that, that's so big. Yeah, it says that the important factor that led to their return. So this is the research of kids that actually wandered, wandered and came but back. then came back. And in that research, it was their perception that their parents kept a loving and open relationship that remained warm and tolerant throughout the struggle. Wow. Yeah. Powerful. We're going to mm -hmm. end, we're going to end that's it with good. that. That's, that's solid. Everybody. Thanks for joining us. If you want to check out previous videos, you can check those out right here and right here. And if you would like to subscribe to the podcast, you can do so right here. We will see you next time. Oh,